Buenos dias from Diamond Springs. This is the Rorschach Venezuela update from Thursday, 27th of January, 2022. A quick summary of what's going down in Venezuela. On Saturday, the 22nd, the National Electoral Council announced that the collection of signatures for the recall referendum will be held on Wednesday, the 26th, from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. Roberto Picon, one of the five board members of the National Electoral Council, assured that it is not feasible to carry out this kind of process with such short notice. Therefore, when the moment to vote for the approval of the collection of signatures date arrived, he abstained. Venezuelans complained on social media about the locations where the signatures will be collected. Citizens said that these were very few and that they were settled in traditionally Chavista areas or in dangerous neighborhoods. Leostado Cabello, vice president of the United Socialist Party of Venezuela, announced on Monday the 24th that they will request from the National Electoral Council the list of those who signed the recall process. He said that if the citizens have the right to request a recall referendum, Nicolas Maduro has the right to know who is requesting his exit. This threat is reminiscent of the Tascón list when, in 2003, the recall of the late Hugo Chávez was requested and those who signed were dismissed from state companies and banned from work in any public company or ministries. Also on Monday, the 24th, Maduro headed a meeting of the plenary of the Federal Council of Government. Maduro requested the elimination of the sanctions that the U.S. had imposed on Venezuela, and he was applauded by the governors belonging to the opposition parties who, until recently, supported the sanctions of the U.S. government. The Universal Periodic Review will take place on Tuesday, the 25th of January. The United Nations Human Rights Council will evaluate Venezuela's human rights records. In this context, Venezuelan civil society organizations sent more than 100 reports discussing 34 topics on human rights violations and abuses in the country. On Monday the 17th, Karim Khan, prosecutor of the International Criminal Court, gave an extension of three months to the Venezuelan state to present its investigations into alleged crimes against humanity. The Rome Statute indicates that an extension of only one month can be given. Allotting three months is a clear sign of the prosecutor's goodwill. In addition, he plans to visit Venezuela again during this period to gather more information. The Administrative Service of Identification, Migration, and Foreigners, better known as SAIME, took up the rigor of Article 7 of the Law of Nationality and Citizenship. Once again, Venezuelans with dual nationality will have to present a valid Venezuelan passport in order to enter or leave the country. Due to the lockdown, this law had been relaxed since the Saime offices were closed. Venezuelans with dual nationality could enter or leave the country with their expired Venezuelan passports and the passport of their other nationality in force. On Thursday the 20th, the National Assembly approved in its first session the law for the reform of the Large Financial Transactions Tax Law Decree. This reform seeks to encourage the use of the Bolivar, generating higher taxes on transactions made in foreign currencies or cryptocurrencies. In international news, on Wednesday the 19th, 
a group of Venezuelan travelers were prevented from boarding a plane from Colombia, whose final destination was Mexico, despite the fact that the migratory visa was to take effect on the 21st of January. A group of 50 Venezuelans were separated from the rest of the boarding party and held for hours at the El Dorado airport in Bogota. The airline did not explain to the passengers why they were not allowed to board the plane. The same happened on a flight from Colombia to Mexico with a stopover in Costa Rica. At the island's airport, a group of 30 Venezuelans were returned to Colombia. On Thursday, the 20th of January, the first migrant caravan of 2022 departed from the city of Tapachula in Mexico, bound for the United States. This group of nearly 500 people includes a large number of Venezuelans. The migrants made the decision to walk to the United States after Mexico's National Migration Institute turned a blind eye to their requests for immigration documents. The Australian ambassador to Venezuela and Colombia, Erica Thompson, announced that the Australian government is giving away 175,000 visas to young people from around the world who decide to go to Australia in the next three months to study and integrate into the workforce. These visas are aimed at people between 18 and 30 years of age who want to study and work in the agricultural, tourism, or elder care sectors. People over 30 who wish to study English can also apply. Now, let's move on to the news on the economy. Lake Maracaibo, formerly exploited by various national and foreign oil industries, is now the source of income for many Maracaibo residents and an incipient shrimp export industry. Currently, many shrimp farms are being installed in the area, bringing better salaries to workers. These companies pay them around $100 a month. Bear in mind that just a few months ago, other companies would pay blue-collar workers the minimum wage of $10. Even though this industry is getting started, it is an excellent investment opportunity for those who wish to rely on post-oil Venezuela. Oil production in the country has declined in the recent years, but pollution from the oil industry has not. In Pedevesa's eastern division, located between the state of Anzoategui and Monagas, the accumulation of mountains of petroleum coke and various accumulations of sulfur not only pollute the air, but also cause explosions and put nearby installations at risk. Despite the fact that since 2016, Pedereza does not issue public reports on this, satellite photographs indicate a growth of waste in the area. And after almost two years of suspension, the National Institute of Civil Aeronautics once again authorized direct flights between Spain and Venezuela on Monday the 24th. Since the lockdown began, there were only direct international connections to Turkey, Mexico, Bolivia, Panama, Russia, Dominican Republic, and Cuba. The national aviation company, Conviasa, will receive in the next few days a Boeing 747 aircraft to join its cargo fleet. The 36-year-old aircraft was acquired from Mahan Air, an Iranian airline. This move follows the international trend in aeronautics, where airlines acquire airplanes to remove their seats and use them exclusively for cargo. And in excellent international news, Venezuelan chef Ricardo Chaneton, only 34 years old, received a Michelin star in his restaurant Mono, located in Hong Kong. Great job, Ricardo. Also, Venezuelan singer Servando Primera 
who was an idol in the 90s for being the lead singer of the group Salserin and later a part of a duo with his brother Servando y Florentino, has been a successful songwriter for several years. He recently revealed that he wrote La Reina, a recent song featured in Christina Aguilera's new album, the Latin American Super Centenarias Foundation, and the Gerontology Research Group of Los Angeles in the United States, determined that Venezuelan Juan Vicente Perez, born in the state of Táchira on May 27, 1909, is currently the longest-lived man in the world at 112 years of age. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us. You have the power to avoid ads in these updates. And quoting Uncle Ben in Spider-Man, with a great power comes a great responsibility. Tell your friends about us and save everyone from annoying ads. Let us know your thoughts and ideas by emailing us at venezuela at rorschach.com or follow us on Instagram at Rorschach Venezuela and Twitter at Rorschach V. Hasta la próxima. Hasta la próxima.